Welcome to the Raw Otters Podcast, episode 17. Of course, I am your host, the fearless leader of RawOtters.com, Josh Lewis. Man, what a week. It's just starting, but what a week. So last week, uh, you may remember, was my birthday. Uh, and you know what I did? I had the greatest day. It was an amazing party. Uh, I hung out with all my family and friends. Um, had it catered. It was, it was intense. It, it was the best. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Do you really think any of that could have been true at this point right now? No, no, I don't believe you would believe it was true. Ah, so anyway, just a few things off the top, please like, and share this podcast with other people. And by like, I mean, enjoy it. Uh, of course we are found on Apple podcasts, Google play podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, and Podbean. You can always go to rawdas.com, uh, for any other stuff. <laughs> uh, you can, uh, email me at josh at rawdas.com if you'd like to complain, or if you would like to, uh, tell me I'm an asshole or I'm the greatest, you know, either one of those will do. doesn't matter. Um, and if you'd like to, uh, donate to the Patreon for raw autos, you can go to patreon.com slash raw autos. Uh, you can go to youtube.com slash raw autos. And then of course, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, raw autos. So yeah, um, I hope you all had a good week last week and I hope you all are having a good week starting off this week. Uh, I told you last week that for this podcast, I'd have a review for you of the uh, 2020 Ford Ranger. However, that is not the case because I was able to get in touch with somebody that I wanted to bring onto the podcast and he came onto the podcast. So that's who you're going to hear. And who is that person? Rory Carroll, the new editor in chief of jalopnik.com. Formerly of AutoWeek, the guy who uh, uh, controlled AutoWeek for the last few years. Uh, and by control, I mean publisher. He was the editor-in-chief there. Uh, they, of course, were a magazine that sadly have uh, gone to digital only. Great magazine. A lot of history. I had a great conversation with Rory. We got through... It's a little over an hour of us talking. Uh, he didn't have, you know, a whole lot of time. You know, I usually go about, you know, two hours with some people, three hours even. Uh, but we had a great conversation. You'll hear that in just a couple minutes. But, uh, but yeah, so last week, uh, by the way, I had a Toyota RAV4 TRD off-road edition. So you will hear that uh, review on the podcast soon as well. And right now, this week, I am driving a Mazda CX-30. Really like it so far. Very much so enjoying it. I liked the TRD. Uh, it was 41000 and some change, almost $42,000, uh, fully loaded. This Mazda CX-30 is a little over $31,000, so $10,000 less. Um, interestingly enough, obviously a little bit smaller, uh, but similar uh, power and torque and um, feels quite a bit faster. And it's very, very luxurious. God, Mazda make a true, genuine luxury car uh, with just even their normal cars. It's, uh, I mean, look, I, people can say that I'm a little biased with Mazda because I sold Mazda. I've owned two Mazdas. Uh, I, you know, I was a salesperson for a Mazda dealership. I should have said it that way. I owned a CX-7 and a Mazda Speed 6. 
Um, and uh, I, I do, but I do love Mazdas. I really do. It's very rare that I come across a Mazda that I don't enjoy. And the reason being is that they are such a special vehicle because so many of them are really great to drive. Uh, they have such a unique character and some of the best styling in the world. Let's be honest. I don't think there is a prettier car than Mazda right now. Unless, of course, you're talking Aston Martin or, you know, uh, Porsche, Ferrari, Lamborghini. You know, when you're talking about that ilk of cars, you're, you're not going to necessarily think, ooh, Mazda 3. <laughs> but in my opinion, when you're talking under $100,000, Genuinely, I think a Mazda 3 and a Mazda 6 absolutely hold up in the style department to anything made in the world. I mean, hell, if you're going to talk about the prettiest cars in the world, you know, let's talk about the Aston Martin uh, DBS Superleggera. Gorgeous car. I would honestly put, if you're going to talk about the five best looking cars in the world right now, I would honestly put a Mazda 3 in there. I sound crazy, don't I? But honestly, when you see it in the flesh and you get to, uh, when, when you're, you know, looking at it with your own two eyes, just from a couple of feet, when you're touching it, when you're just laying your eyes in this beautiful sheet metal, Mazda makes some of the best looking cars in the world. And they have been for the best, for the past five years. So yes, you will hear my Mazda CX-30 review coming up soon. I think after this, I'm supposed to be getting a Lexus LS 500 hybrid, um, uh, I'm trying to get a Toyota Supra and, uh, I have a whole host and list of other cars that I want to get, but, uh, we'll see what happens with all of that, especially with the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, which I hope you guys are being safe. I know States and towns are starting to open up, but just be careful, you know, social distancing, it works. You know, we have, we have the proof. We have the proof that it does work. So do your social distancing, wear your mask when needed, when appropriate, especially if you're outside and people are coming near you, please put on your mask. Uh, I was outside filming uh, the other day with the Toyota uh, RAV4 when uh, I was doing, obviously doing some filming, like I said, and I was kind of out in just in front of a sidewalk and some people started to walk by and I put on my mask, you know, hello, how are you? You know, good to see you. So just, you know, remember, be courteous. It's the mask isn't just about you. It's also about other people. You don't know if you're asymptomatic. You don't know what's going on in, in, you know, in your body. And you don't know what's going on in somebody else's when they walk by. They look healthy, but they may not be. So just, you know, be courteous of other people. It's also about other people respecting uh, their right to have good health. And, uh, yeah, so keep that in mind and just, you know, just try and, and be respectful of everybody really. But anyway, on to car stuff because, well, this is a car podcast <laughs> and I love cars. Um, you know, I, uh, haven't driven my GT 350 in a couple weeks now cause I was driving the RAV4 and now the CX 30 and I miss it. It's going to be raining the past or the next, uh, uh, three days, four days here. That's going to suck, but you know, I'll drive it at some point, even in the rain. It's really not a bad car to drive. It's still fun, still enjoyable, still makes an amazing noise. I love it. Love the way it sounds. Love the way it looks. 
You can tell, I feel you can tell you're a real car person if you are getting out of your car and you, you can't get too far before turning back and looking because they're just, you know, when you love cars, you love cars, you love the way they look, you love the way they sound, the way they feel. You find something, some excuse to go near it. That's what I do. I find an excuse to go near all my cars all the time. I, lo- I love it. I love cars. I mean, obviously, I'd have to, right? Let's really get into this. Let's talk to Mr. Rory Carroll, the man who is helming the ship that is jalopnik.com. Uh, very excited to to have this interview because Rory is an interesting guy. Uh, we get through quite a few topics of his life, and I hope to have him on again because I think there's more story to be told. And uh, without further ado, I hope you enjoy. So please welcome Mr. Rory Carroll. Rory, how are you doing and how are you holding up? Uh, I'm good. Um, you know, holding up, I would say probably maybe 10% more crazy than, than usual. Uh, more, a little bit more anxious, but overall, um, you know, certainly had it much worse in the past and, uh, you know, it's, it's good. Like, um, getting to spend tons of kid time getting, uh, uh, awesome new job. Um, it's really hard to, uh, hard to complain too much. And how are you doing with having two young kids in the house? Um, uh, it, it, it has to be, I wouldn't say a nightmare cause that's, you know, but with a new job, I'm sure yeah. it's a little difficult. So the way we've been doing it is my wife will, um, she jumps right on her job, uh, from like eight thirty or nine till <laughs> noon, uh, ish. And then like I have the kids in the morning and I'm on Slack and kind of keeping up with the jalopnik guys. Mm-hmm. And then, um, we switch and I have like a, semi uninterrupted um like noon to six thirty thing uh which has actually been working pretty well and like honestly i think so that 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 arrangement i think is about as productive or maybe more productive than like other like in office arrangements that i've had before so it's, it's actually working out pretty well like it's just there are no you know previous uh office situations there were a ton of interruptions, people stopping by, like asking questions, all that stuff. And now it's like I'm literally sequestered in uh, a room with one door. And like the only people who are in the house don't want to come up and hang out there in the office. They <laughs> want to go have, have fun with mom. So right. it's, it's actually been real good. And um, yeah, so it, it's, you know, certainly like there's very little getting done when I'm when I'm with the kids. But um it's i was talking to another guy earlier this week like this is probably a once in a lifetime opportunity to spend this kind of um like time with my children mm-hmm. and like as bad as the world is and as bad as like things outside are like really have to focus on that aspect of it because again like probably will never be this way again right that, you know um that I'll be able to be around so much. So, um, you know, that's, that's what I'm trying to, trying to stick to. Well, I was going to say you, you guys are kind of in a, in a nice situation because it seems you and your wife both have jobs in, you know, Mm -hmm. in this current climate, uh, and you have everything that's, you know, very well laid out time wise or, you know, time wise during the day, you know, schedule wise. Um, Yeah. 
So you guys are yeah. you guys are being smart. You're playing it. You're playing it smart. Well, I, don't, I mean, I think lucky is probably better than smart in most cases, and I think this this situation is definitely one of those where, um, you know, it could definitely bounce. You know, it's not it's not as though media and automotive media, especially, are like particularly secure fields, and um, we're we're both very fortunate to to uh, have a like you know relatively uh easy jobs as far as like <laughs> you know like i'm not uh i'm not on the front lines or putting myself in any kind of danger i uh right not la- laboring at all um i'm doing blogs and talking on the phone and, uh <laughs> my, my wife's job is definitely a lot harder than mine but she's in the same position we're both you know white collar uh knowledge economy people so, <laughs> so so stupid but that's that's how we're classified i guess well so let's jump into you know the the crux of why I, I really wanted to talk to you because you know you you've gone from auto week you mm-hmm. were you were the uh publisher of auto week for what three years uh it's yeah i think two or three years okay. um it's it's kind of like there was an uh, interim period there and there was also like some kind of um, transition period, but yeah, I think two or three years is a fair, uh, but I was there for, I think I was there for six or seven years. Total. Right. Okay. So that was going to be my next question. You had, because you had multiple or you had one or two other previous positions in auto week before you actually rose to the top. Yeah, I was, um, I actually started off as a, a web editor and that was my first like, full-time writing job I've been kind of I started off freelancing before that and um, I uh, took took that web editor job and then got promoted to executive editor and then I was in a job called a content director which was not a title that I picked per se Um, (laughs) but it was basically like all uh, editorial oversight for the um, for the whole uh, website and the magazine and then a bunch of the custom stuff we were doing. And then, um, when we sold auto week, when crane sold auto week in, uh, October, I think it was, um, to Hearst, um, I was fortunate enough to, to be kept on at crane and, um, had the awesome opportunity to start a, uh, kind of a content studio with, um, some of the people who had helped me on the sales and creative side at, um, at auto week. And, um, then, uh, yeah, I took the Jalopnik job uh, a couple weeks ago. And so now you are the editor in chief of Jalopnik.com, which is I yeah. think one of the main, uh, you know, websites that I feel like, cause you and I are the same age. You're 34, right? I'm uh 30. Uh, 30, 82. What is that? 30. <laughs> you're 30, you're 36. You're four years older than I am. Uh, or no, no, you're 38. I think it's 37. You're 38. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I'll be 38 in November. Okay. I'm sorry. Quarantine uh, has really gotten you down, man. <laughs> there's no time is time does not exist anymore in any meaningful sense, but I always, I always have a hard time 
with that stuff. But um, yeah, so I'll be 38 in November. Yeah, so it, uh, well, it's not like I was any better because I was like, you're born, you're four years older than I am. So you're 36, <laughs> so you're two years older than I am. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just turned 34 uh, last Monday. So <laughs> so it's uh, time is not real. It's, it's, it's all over the place. I have well, no idea what's going on. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I have no idea what's going on anymore. No, um, no I've decided that I think that for all of us, I think it would benefit that, okay, I would love for the government to suspend mortgages and rent payments for everybody, but I would also yeah. like all of us to get together and suspend birthdays for just a yeah. year, you know? Yep, until this is figured out. 2020 basically didn't happen. You know, happen. when we talked to our children and grandchildren one day, <laughs> there was no 2020 on the book. Sorry, it just wasn't there. Yeah, what, nothing happened. Yeah, nothing, it's like the 1983 Corvette. Nothing to see here. You know, we're just yeah. moving to 84. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, so you are of of a similar age where Jalopnik was a, an extremely important automotive website that we kind of all grew up on, you know, in our yeah. high school, college days, you know. Yeah. Um, and you, you know, I just had Johnny Lieberman on the podcast a number of weeks ago, and 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 I love Johnny. I've known him for years, and Mike Spinelli, and all those guys. Yeah. And now you take over as the new editor in chief. Yeah. And so now you've been there for almost a month now at this point. Well, I was announced, but yeah, but I, so I've been in the actual care for like two weeks. Okay. So of those two weeks, what was the first thing you did? And sadly you weren't in the office to, for it. Yeah. The first things you did, to, it was order a cup of coffee. But so what was the yeah. first thing you did when you sat down in your seat as EIC? You were like, you know what, you know what? Head man in charge. Did you put on anything nice for that day, or did you just go in your underwear and just sit down at Zoom? No, and... I haven't. I haven't put uh, anything nice on in, <laughs> in a very long time. I like. <laughs> I uh, that's a good question, but no, I um, honestly like a lot of it. The first couple of weeks was uh, a lot of time on the phone talking to other editors um, in chief of editor uh, editors in chiefs. I don't know how you do that, but uh, at the other uh, sites. Um, do you know them? And then, so the last like, um, month or so I've been on the phone a lot with, um, current Jalopnik editors and writers and former staffers. Um, so I talked to Johnny, talked to, um, Kristen Lee and Patrick George and some of kind of like my buddies who have, uh, either moved on from there, um, or, who like they talk to Ray Work, you know, like every every person who I could conceivably like get a little bit of time with, and even just like exchange a few texts with, mm -hmm. like um, I talked to Merle Martin, and like as many so Phil Green, not enough if his real name is out there, but anyway, uh, <laughs> talked to a bunch of people, and like just tried to get like a sense for a like how things are functioning today, and like. Um, whatever advice or like um kind of no, prep they could give me and then i've been kind of trying to synthesize that into like a plan mm -hmm. um because you know it's it's a very interesting time in the site's history i think um that's been pretty well documented and i think um you know it's an interesting time just generally like um you know everybody keeps saying unprecedented times uh can we go back to precedented times? But the uh, the 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 questions for me are like, okay, like no one's reading car news right now, or or not at the volume that they were 
six months ago. Right? Right. And that's, that's kind of to be understood, but it's like, how do we come out of this as like a, um, a bigger and, and more jalopnik entity. Um, so yeah, it, it's been like, it's weird. Cause when I took over at auto week, I had been there for a while and I had been talking to the outgoing publisher and like making plans and like talking to staff and like, had a pretty like clear agenda on day one of like what needed to change, what I wanted to do, like what my goals were. And like, this is entirely the opposite. Like I have some, some story ideas and I've had some like new feature ideas or like recurring feature ideas, Mm -hmm. but like the amount of time that I've spent like assessing and like asking questions versus, um, versus, like running and making changes right. it's like entirely inverted so um so that's i guess like it's not a fun answer and it's not like <laughs> what i had hoped like okay day one i'm gonna pull this big lever and something's gonna happen but it, it's been you know I, i'm probably still like even people who are pitching me stuff or like um a lot of people i've put off like answering questions like uh pr people are, are or friends in the business asking me like, what, what's the plan? Like, I don't know, man, like it's going to be a few weeks at least before I have like a a real solid strategy. I do. I like, I think it's starting to round into shape and like getting some pretty good observations and like, um, you know, kind of directions. Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's been a lot of asking questions and then like to like, uh, the current staff has been like immensely helpful. Like just talking to those guys and like, um, you know, try, like why are things like, why is it like this? Or why do we do, you know, like, right. why, like what's wrong with this? And then getting like, be able to get like an immediate, like candid real backstory for everything has been uh, really, really awesome. So yeah, that's, I mean, it's mostly just been me being on the phone. Um, well, and I feel like most of those guys have been around, and and girls as well, have been around for a while enough to to know to have seen the site through multiple editors in chief at this point, you know. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know if your wife walked in with like a plate of of shrimp and bacon, you know, just to, <laughs> just to, you know, like celebrate, you know. Yeah. I feel like yeah, that would no. be my first uh, order of business, you know, to have yeah. everybody, you know, ship me bacon. Uh, yeah. Or, yeah. Or, I can't. I- I can't do that because I, I gotta have a PR person do it. They have to be like one of my betters. You know what I mean? Like I can't, right. I can't, I can't ask my wife to do that. I have to have like. <laughs> yeah, my real. wife would throw shrimp at me instead. Yeah, uh, yeah. She she would definitely not not uh, participate in that. Sure. There would be a white collar crime in my house of my wife choking me with a, a, a right. white collared shirt. Is really what right. I'm <laughs> Right. I uh, I did uh, actually though ask about a press car, um, not right off the bat, but like within the first week I had, there's a, a Lotus Evora GT in the Detroit fleet. And that was like, I've only driven one Lotus and it was an old, um, it was an old uh, Elise. Okay. And I've never driven a new one. And I was like, shit, that's in Detroit. Like, I hate <laughs> to ask for a press car right away because that's like, kind of embarrassing Frank Bankety type <laughs> behavior, but I really want to drive it before it goes away. So I thankfully the the PR guy who has it is kind of a buddy and he was uh able to extend the, its time in Detroit by a week so that I could 
uh, rip around a little bit in my neighborhood, which has actually been really weird. Like we've been trying to figure out how to do reviews right now because like I'm in a urban environment, uh, Justin's in an urban environment. Um, you know, David, uh, and Aaron are all in urban environments. And then like Andrew's out West, Justin's in New York. It's like the, um, just, or, uh, uh, Andrew has probably a better opportunity to drive cars than most of us do being mm-hmm. in LA. But, um, it's like, I, I'm absolutely not going to be in any kind of position to say like how this car drives, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. like it, it does not, there's not going to be that opportunity. So, um, we've See, been trying to figure out like, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, that's where I'm lucky. Cause living in North Carolina in the middle of kind of nowhere, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, the mayor's a, a family friend, you know, I know some of the cops in the area and I, I just recently, this is my second press car since all this stuff kicked off. I've, I had the, um, uh, the RAV4 TRD last week and this week I have a, a Mazda CX-30, Yeah. but eat like in North Carolina, I've still been able to drive cause I've had to go, you know, help my parents or check on my parents, right. you know, for things or whatever. But you know, it is kind of nice because honestly, it, it, it's actually kind of helped me because I do video, I make the videos and I make, I right. you know, do the photos and everything for the cars. And now there are just fewer people bothering me, asking right. me what I'm doing or why, you know, like what, what do you do for a living? Yeah. You know, is this your car or, you know, like yeah. what, you know, I'm sure you, just, I'm sure you've gotten this questions a million times over. It's, you know, uh, pretty early on, unless I'm getting pulled over now, I just say, yeah, it is. And they say, that's a really nice car. And I say, yeah, thank you. Like, <laughs> it's it's just too hard to explain right. why. <laughs> like, 99% of the time, it's too hard to explain it. So I'm just like, yeah, that's fine. Thank you. Well, and, I've had to tell people that I don't like calling myself an automotive journalist, even though, you know, I guess technically I am. But I say that I've always said I review cars. But when I would tell yeah. people that, they'd say, what, like, for a dealership? Or, like, do you work for a manufacturer? Or right. what? I'm like, no, no, no. I own a website and I review cars for that website. Oh, like car and driver. Yes. Like just like car and driver. Yeah. It's the exact same thing. I, I work for car and driver. Um, people used to I ask have, if I work for top gear. I'm like, I don't work for top gear. <laughs> I have, I have claimed to work for car and driver, uh, in circumstances where I was in trouble before. <laughs> I <will not. laughs> yeah, it's in Ann Arbor. Uh, call my boss, Eddie, Eddie Altman. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I got uh, years ago. I had um, I was in a newly uh, a neighborhood that was being newly built. And there was this one area where they hadn't built any houses yet. So I was photographing. It's actually a 2014 BMW 435i, right? Uh-huh. And photographing this car like in this cul-de-sac. There's nobody around, right? Well, somebody in the neighborhood saw me doing this. They called the police. Okay, so. This is one of my first introductions to the local police. Very, very good chill person who does that. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. such a sweetheart, you know, really yeah. appreciate that one. So anyway, so this so guy. Normal response. Yeah, exactly. Totally. It, a guy with a camera and a blue BMW sitting in the middle of a cul-de-sac. That's exactly my first response to, you know. Call you the know, cops. You know what? I think this guy is up to criminal behavior. Um, yeah. So cop comes up and I'm like, hey, how you doing? And before there was a there was a Dodge Ram with blacked out windows just circling the car and almost ran over my my tripod and my camera. Weird. So yeah, it was very weird. Like I'm making motions like, you know, like, dude, just stop the car and get out of the car and talk to me. Like, stop trying to run me over, you know? Yeah. And uh, so anyway, the cop comes up 
Uh, he goes, hey, you know, what are you doing here? I was like, well, I'm taking photos of this car, you know. I'm waiting for the sun to go down to a certain point, you know. And, and he's like, oh, okay. Is this your car? Now, it had California plates on it, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, it's not my car. It's BMW's car. And he goes, oh, like a dealership's car? I said, no, this belongs to BMW North America out of New Jersey. Uh, or no, I had yeah. New Jersey plates on it. Sorry, not California. Um, and he's like, uh, so do they know that you have the car? <laughs> I was like, yes, they know I have the car. So I pull out my, you know, my press loan agreement, pull out a business card. And he's like, and I pull out my license. I give him all this information. He goes, so what do you do? And I was like, well, I'm photographing the car right now. I review the cars. And he goes, okay, so do you review them for BMW? Like is BMW, they know you have the car, right? I mean, it took me 15 minutes to explain to this guy that I'm an automotive journalist. I write about cars. I photograph yeah. them. He could not understand for the life of and he's writing all this down. He's like, so if I call BMW, like when I call a BMW dealership and they would confirm why would you call a dealership and they'd confirm <laughs> right. like, I'm this like, not checking out for you? I'm like, dude, really? Are, is this like your first time or your first week on the job? Like, dude, really? But also um, is there is there nothing else going on that you could, you know, like go harass his Peter or Right. Like I was like, come on, guy. And I see the sergeant's car pull in to the neighborhood and he radios, you know, all clear. And I'm like, you know, you can bring your sergeant in here too, please. I would love that because right. I would love to explain this and maybe have somebody else help me with this. You know, like <laughs> this is not making my day any easier. Um, that, uh, that actually happened to me with a car um, from an automaker, like a $250,000 car, Ooh. Uh, Bentley, and uh, the car had never been registered. So oh, it was like, shit. yeah. And uh, Oops. the cop was very upset because I was, I was speeding, I'll admit that. And, uh, <laughs> and I got, so I got popped and he was like, he was like, is this your car? And I was like, no, why? And he's like, it's never been registered. Did you, did you get this from a dealership? And I was like, uh, like, no, it's a press car. Didn't have the loan agreement. And like, he ended up just being like, I, I struck up a conversation with him about something else. And he like, you know, like as, as certain cops are wont to do, just was like, all right, you know, have a good night. Like, I, like <laughs> I'm not dealing with this. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, there was a moment of like absolute terror, like, oh shit, like, I might be getting out of this car. That's, <laughs> like, that's just, weird. Oh my God, that's going to become an issue. Yeah. Well, it was, you know, like, I, as a kid, like, I was always terrified of, of cops. Um, cause a lot of times, um, you know, I was doing stuff that you weren't supposed to be doing. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but now it's like, as a person of like, uh, you know, approaching middle-aged white male, uh, <laughs> usually driving someone else's nice car. It's right. like, it, you know, you hate to say it, but um, you're it's treated a, a very differently. Bit, right. It's a little bit yeah. easier, you know? Yeah, that's... Uh, it's one of one of a million things that is uh, infinitely easier because I'm an older white guy. I just had an incident where, so my daily driver is a 2017 GT350. And uh-huh. I, when I bought my car... I bought it in August of 2018. It was a brand new car that had never been sold. Okay, so I I switched over my plate from my old car to this car. And my plate was I am Stig, right? Uh-huh. So I switched over. I not thinking about anything, you know, I believe that I've I've paid the vehicle taxes. I'm just thinking like, oh, I've paid, you know, everything's done, you know, blah blah yeah. blah, blah, right? Get no notices in the mail, nothing, and I I know that my my uh, plate is up. 
my registration is up in December of 2019, right? Call the DMV. Hey, I need to pay for my registration. Okay, what's your plate number? I am Stig. Um, do you have a 2005 Mini Cooper? No, I do not have a 2005 Mini Cooper. Well, that's what's registered to that tag. And I'm like, wait, no? What? No, 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 no. I have a 2017. It's a Mustang. And they were like, nope, no Mustang on the list. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, no. I'm looking at my plate right now. It's on my car. It even says yeah. December of 2019. And the lady goes, can you go check your plate a little bit more closely and tell me what number's on it? So I look and I go, holy shit, it's December of 2018. And she goes, <laughs> yep. And I had been driving my car for a little over a year. The worst part is my wife is black. Uh-huh. Um, she had been driving my car a lot also. Oh, God. So that could have gone. That could have gone terribly wrong. In you an know? entirely different way. Yep. Um, and when I bought the car, if I recall correctly, when I when I purchased the car, my wife and I obviously are married. Obviously, I wouldn't call her my wife otherwise. But uh, Well, I mean, you can do whatever you want. Like, <laughs> no judgments. You know. yeah. um, life partner, whatever. Uh, right. So uh, I, I can't remember when she actually changed her last name to mine. But I just kept thinking, like, what if my wife had oh, been yeah. pulled over? Oh, you God. know what I mean? Like, what? How yeah. badly could that have gone for her? Now, right. luckily, I know a lot of cops in the area. You know, phone calls would be made, things would be straightened out as quickly yeah. as possible. But still, what a scary incident, you know? Yeah, it's a. It is a very uh, shitty like commentary on our time and place in the world, where it's like where like both of our hearts just sank or like I, you know like tell you telling that story and me hearing that story where it's like oh god like something horrible could have happened it's like right. because the uh, registration was fucked up like that right you know like that's it yeah me i would have been put in handcuffs but i would have been like look it's very easy for me to prove that this is my yeah, car this you know is what my I mean? car. like this is yeah. very simple the registration says my name on it you know right um and so it's just you know it's just a weird thing like uh it's just it's odd um, but going back to, to Jalopnik, uh, yeah. now are you staying in Detroit? Are you moving? Are you, you, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, um, part of my, um, discussion with, with my employer was, uh, they were, they really wanted to have an editor in chief in New York, which I get entirely. Um, mm-hmm. but we have two little kids. We have like a big dog and like a bunch of cars and like, it just, it would have been. A, it would have been impossible to do now, I think, to move to New York, like given the state of New York. Oh, um, right. But it, it just, I couldn't see, um, I couldn't see myself doing that. Like, you know, I was, 10 years ago, if I was single and didn't have kids, I'd be like, yeah, of course, like that, that'd be a great fun thing to do for a few years. Um, right. But I just, I couldn't see it. So, um, and then the other thing too is like part of, the reason, like part of the advantage to having me in this job is that like my social circle in Detroit is like people who are in the car business and like I get uh, information and opportunities and like, um, you know. Um, well, you're already in the fleet, you know, you're. you're... Well, I mean, beyond that, it's like just, just socially, like people who you work for mm-hmm. um, or work with in the car business are here and like, you know, like right. you'll, you'll have conversations that are like, Oh, that'd be, yeah, this is a cool story. We can get you a car for that. Or, mm-hmm. or like, mm-hmm. um, or I, I know, you know, some, some information that like I would not be privy to if I lived in New York. So right. like, um, so I think it's going to be better to be here. Plus like most of the staff is remote anyway. So there's not like 
a super strong um, reason for me to be there in the first place. Um, but I think you know I'll be I'll be in New York frequently, which I don't mind. Um, and uh, you know, staying here in lovely uh, Detroit um, worked out pretty well. So that's we'll awesome. See. Yeah. And how did this work out? You going from you going into Jalopnik? Did you apply, or did they reach out to you, or did you you know was it something um, that you had dreamed of, or? Yeah. So so I've like a, a long time Jalopnik reader. I think we both talked about earlier, but mm -hmm. I, I um, you know when when the site was first. Um, being public, I remember people being hired at Jalopnik um, like super early on, mm -hmm. um, and like the welcome posts for those people, and like Bumbeck and Merle Martin, and like um, you know, in that era, I think I've said this a few times recently, but like I literally read every single Jalopnik post that went up. So <laughs> um, I like you know, if I was gone for a while, obviously like I didn't have a phone and didn't travel with a laptop, so I would miss stuff, and I would like go back. Uh, and read to catch up to where I was because it was like essential reading. It was like, and that was the time too when, like, I think with a lot of people where I like really started to kind of find a place in car culture where it was like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I had I always liked cars and like been interested in cars, but like, you know, you found your people I, of sorts. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. most of my fr friends who are into cars in high school or whatever, um, you know, it was like this, like kind of hyper masculinized, like, uh, you know, like what you traditionally think of car culture. And like, I love those people and like got along great with those people. Like, I lived in a small town and like, you know, there's, it's not saying anything bad about those people, but just like, it wasn't exactly my set, like when it came to car stuff, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? So, mm -hmm. like, um, they weren't into the stuff that I was into. They weren't, you know, they weren't, um, like saw the world in a different way than me um so like you know they read a lot of like carcraft and that kind of stuff which i love carcraft it's awesome but it was like jalopnik was like oh shit this is my thing like these are my people right. like the kookiness of it yeah it was just and also like just like there's more to this stuff than like um than like performance and right. like uh aesthetics and like there's like an there's like a um a human side to this that's yeah. that's very interesting and like um you know those those early uh that that period is where like i went from like someone who is interested in cars to like someone who like you know is like a lifer in in the car thing where it's like regardless of what my job was i would be doing this stuff like right. i'd be reading, reading that site i'd be like you know pursuing participating in car culture on one level you know no matter how much and that was like you know my, my whole early life was like okay i've got 500 dollars to spend what's the coolest thing i can buy for 500 dollars? like <laughs> yeah you know what i mean like yeah. that that until um you know, th that was pretty much like how I experienced car culture until I became a journalist where it's like, oh, it's like a whole world full of new fast cars I can drive. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, like, yeah. like yeah. wow, look at that. Our Immense opportunities. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I wouldn't say it was always like a, a dream to work at Jalopnik because like none of this stuff had ever appeared to me. 
like growing up, I didn't know anybody who worked in the car business, let mm-hmm. alone like wrote about cars for money. Right. And, like, it, like, so I never dreamed of like being a journalist <clears throat> or an editor or whatever. Like, I thought I was going to be a lawyer um, and like maybe have a cool car. And like, um, so yeah, I wouldn't say it was a dream, but like in the back of my head, even like running Auto Week, it was like, man, it'd be cool to work for Jalopnik. Um, You know, like at some point, like if that ever worked out, that'd be really cool. Um, But yeah, so, so yeah, not like a lifelong dream, but like it's a, it's a property. Yeah. And it's a property that I identify very, very strongly with. So um, does that answer the... It did. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, you bring up an interesting uh, uh, question that I also had. So you said you thought you might be uh, a lawyer. Now, yeah. am, am I correct in saying you went to Michigan State University? Yep. Yeah, you got yeah. a degree in political science. Yep. And you worked for the Michigan State Senate at one point? Yeah. Doing... Yeah. So this is very weird, but I, um, <laughs> I, I like, mistakenly was sent an intern application um, for, uh, for the Michigan House, the Michigan House member named Dave Paltrock, who... It's like a young kind of like cool guy on the scene and like very well connected and mm-hmm. like super smart and like interesting person. Um, and my dad was, but he was not in my, he's not actually like in my district. So Northern Michigan, um, I think he was the 101st district and I was the 104th. So I should not have gotten this opportunity. <laughs> I had no interested in working in politics. I was like one of those like ad busters, nerd ass kids, yeah. like, like a big Michael Moore guy and like, you know, it's like, I don't want to go work in politics. And then like, but like at that time, you know, it's like, well, like that would be a good thing to have on your resume or whatever. So like, I'll go talk to them. They won't pick me like, uh, and I'll, my dad will get off my back about it. So I went and, and got, did an interview and got hired on the spot and like ended up working with this group, um, for a while. <coughs> Um, I love that like, you got hired on the spot, and you were like, "I'm not going to get this," and they're like, "You're hired." Yeah, <laughs> it's like, gonna, and I was like, thirty seconds of of footage, you know? Yeah, I was like in, like my practice at the time was to just buy like ill fitting like thrift shop junk, like punk rock <laughs> version of like business clothes, which I think everybody just thought I was broke, which was also true. So it's not like not incorrect, but um, yeah, I did that. Um, you look like Macklemore coming into your into your interview. It, it, it was very bad. I probably that's not like Macklemore if he had never had a haircut. Um, <laughs> but like, uh, it, yeah. So I did that as an intern, and then it's weird. Like it, it just became. Um, it was like I did that as an intern, and then it was like when I was graduating, they're like, well, "What are you gonna do?" And they're like, "Oh, we'll find you a job." So I got a job working in the Michigan Senate for a while and um, was actually working for like a distant cousin uh, in the Senate, which is like very Northern Michigan. And then (laughs) uh, left there to go work at Haggerty. um, And I was doing, I was like their director of government affairs. Again, like something I had no, no reason to apply for. Like I was 22. (laughs) Like it must've just looked 
ridiculous. And what do you what do you do when you so you're you're doing legislative stuff for Haggerty with the yeah, government so, at 22 and you walk in and you're like, I propose that this law is bullshit. Do you do yeah, something like that, that? Basically, that was pretty much the <laughs> so. And again, like my mom found the ad in the paper in the local Traverse City newspaper, and she was like, Oh, you should apply for this. And I was like, Mom. I'm not remotely qualified for that job. Like I, I've been an intern and then like a glorified driver on staff in the Senate. Like there's just no way. And she was like, Oh, just apply and see what happens. It's like, all right, okay, I'll go apply. Uh, so like, you know, like I, I got into that job and or actually got to the interview on the way down, I slid my dad's Wrangler down a hill, ran over a mailbox, and so like showed up, just panicked. Holy like, shit! But like a minor accident, and like, but just kept driving because I was late. So I like went back, had to explain to my neighbor what happened. Anyway, um, still got it. Still got the job. Yeah. So I I got in there, and it was it was the same. This is like again, like I was talking to this. A uh, woman a few years ago, she was asking about my career. She's writing a book on um, emotional labor, mm-hmm. and I was telling her like kind of the same anecdote, and she was like, "You are just like a walking like white privilege museum." And I was like, "I, <laughs> I know, like, it, like absolutely, that's the case." But um, but I will say, your parents are extremely good at just. Your dad told you to apply for the internship that you got mistakenly. Your mom told you to apply for this. Your parents have really interesting judgment that has worked out in your favor. But that's the whole thing, though, is like <laughs> that's how people like me like yeah. walk through the world with people telling them, "Oh, go do it." Like right. you know, like right. there are actual there are actual smart, qualified people who like would have been much more uh, qualified for any of those jobs. Who didn't apply because they didn't think they're qualified right. and like um yeah so anyway so i got that job and that was like it was it was very strange because it was like um haggerty was trying to as like a benefit of their um their i think i don't know what it was called at the time but it was like haggerty plus like their roadside assistance program right yeah um so they were offering basically like the collector car hobby will have a paid lobbyist so that was me so i would like uh go to certain states and like you know i don't remember there being a ton of direction as far as like oh go do this go do that it was like independently go find stuff that you think you can change that would be helpful (laughs) and um so you go to certain states and like work on getting um you know people who have collector plates like more miles allowed for the year Mm -hmm. or like um, exempt from emissions testing or whatever, which like at the time, so I should qualify that or explain. So the, what a lot of states were finding was that there were so few collector cars mm-hmm. that it was actually a burden on the testing system to, um, to test the, whatever, a few thousand cars right. that were built before a certain year that are in the fleet. The cars were almost, you know, most of them were pretty well maintained. Like, there's not a lot of people driving, like, shitbox 40-year-old cars around. <laughs> right. Like, it's just, yeah. like, that's, because most places they're rusted to the ground or whatever. So, so the, the idea was, like, okay, go take those out of the testing system. And, like, most places were like, yeah, that, that makes sense. Like, we had, um, I remember going, I think it was Indiana, and, like, 
it was like me and I think the representative from like the Sierra Club were arguing to take them out of the testing system. I, this is a long time ago, so I don't remember all the details, but it was like some environmental groups were like, yeah, this is stupid. Like, don't, don't do that. Anyway, um, so I uh, did a little bit of that and then um, uh, did a bunch of like, uh, I think there are collector car appreciation days where it was like a group of collector car hobbyists <laughs> would bring their car to the Capitol and like do meet and greets with legislators or whatever to like kind of pave the way for some of this legislation. Mm -hmm. uh, like make, make kind of their, um, you know, it's like a lot of industries do like legislative meet and greets where like, you know, brewers or business owners or whatever will go to the states or go to the state capital and meet all the legislators. Anyway, so it was like that. Um, and then I started doing, because like most state legislatures were closed in the summer and I was super bored, I was doing like um, youth outreach programs um, at Haggerty, which uh, was like, we would take, we did like a national model building contest where like families won an opportunity to go to Pebble Beach with us. We did like um, uh, youth judging, I think, which is still a thing where it's like little kids go judge at a concord and like pick their favorite car or whatever. Hmm. Um, just a bunch of that stuff. I left Haggerty and um, <laughs> went to a uh, went to go work back in the Senate. And at that point, like politically, I was not there um, for it in any in any kind of way. Um, and I really like liked the people I worked with, and like it was. Um, it was like not any like interpersonal stuff. It was just like, I don't want to be doing this anymore. Like I, mm -hmm. I was fully like disillusioned on the political process. And like, you know, as a kid, it's like, okay, I'll get in and I'll have some influence and I'll make changes as like a, you know, weird ad busters kid working in, in the state house or whatever. Right. Like I'll, I'll have opportunities to do good stuff. You think Mr. Like, Smith goes to Washington, you know, you yeah, think which is just absolutely not the case <laughs> <Right>. uh, <laughs> for anybody. Uh, so, uh, it was it was it was time to go, and I got. So I had some work writing auction catalogs um, on the weekend, which was awesome. Uh, the guys at Worldwide Auctioneers hired me, and then I did some work for um, Gooding and a couple other ones, um, which was great. Like to, like if you want reps as a writer, like <clears throat> cranking out twenty auction descriptions in a weekend is like a pretty good way to get reps. Um, oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, and I learned a ton, and then I got uh, Rob Sass, who runs the PCA magazine. Again, this is like privileged, like luckiest guy in the world type <laughs> stuff. But uh, Rob Sass, who now runs the PCA magazine, and he was working with me at Haggerty, um, he and I were doing a lemons race in my Lotta, and um, he was going to miss filing his. He had a column or like a regular recurring. Uh, gig at the New York Times Wheels blog, mm -hmm. and he, he's like, "Oh, let me call them and ask if you can write something about the Lada." So I did, <laughs> and like that became my first um, job writing for the the Times. And then I got like, uh, you know, assignments from them once a month or whatever. Um, so then, um. Yeah, so then after that, uh, Merle Martin actually recommended me for a job, Phil, to go work at Auto Week, and they had read some of my 
uh, wheels blog stuff, and that's how I, I got from the um, the Michigan Senate, Michigan House, into um, through Haggerty and then into automotive writing. So it was like it was weird because I came to it late uh, compared to a lot of other people. Like, it, um, you know, I've really only been making a living in publishing anything or like as a writer for um, eight years, maybe seven wow. years. Yeah, which and, is good. Oh no, I was just gonna say. And so that's how you go from the, you know, from interning for the Michigan House, all the way to being the editor in chief of Jalopnik.com. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not a not what I would call the recommended path. Um, so you're telling me that if anybody wants to become the editor in chief of a magazine, car magazine, or a car website, they should not actually go work in politics first. I I don't. I don't think politics is the right thing. I, I wouldn't recommend that to anybody. Um, but I do, I do think um, having a job outside of car writing is really good. Um, mm-hmm. Having a job that maybe you don't like a ton um, before car writing is really good because, like, this is such a um, it's such a, weird a bizarre. Industry. It is. It's such a bizarre way to make a living, and like. No, it has its pluses and minuses and like just like any other job but at the end of the day like you're being given opportunities to drive cars that almost no one gets to drive go places that almost no one gets to go eat stuff that other people don't get to eat and it's very easy to think that's just how jobs are or like that's just how work is or like this is what you expect and i know some people who are in this business who started doing this really a, a long time ago or started doing this as an intern and never had a different job, and it's like, this is not the case with everybody, but some some of those people, like, their expectations are, are messed up. Way like, too high. Know, yeah. yeah. They think and every like, place you go to, you deserve a free steak dinner. You know, it's, yeah. yeah. And, or just like, when things don't go right, you know, like, <laughs> flights get canceled, or, you know, you have to fly and coach, God forbid, or whatever, like, um, that that's something that, that is, uh, like you know, I need to talk to a manager. I need to talk to a PR guy about that. It's like they start becoming it, overly bearing Karens. It's yeah. It's very it. It's very like. Um, There's a lot of privilege in our industry. Um, yeah, with, I mean, it's, well, it, I wouldn't say a lot, but I would say there is there is a lot. There's a lot, man. Yeah, like, I guess there is a lot. Yeah, <laughs> upper middle class, like white guys. Like, yes, that's true. Th- that's that's where you start from, and then you go to like, okay, and you get to do all this cool shit, and you get everything for free, and like, you know, you never, you never like even consider how any of this stuff comes together. It it is like, it, it's it does like mess with your brain, and like it messes with people's brains. Like I, I don't. So I think like, yeah, having understanding that like normal people when they wake up in the morning don't necessarily think like, oh, like I'm going to go drive the Lotus that was dropped off to my house today and write about it. Like, <laughs> yeah, that is, that is not a real job. No, it, right. Yeah. It, like, like I said, there are hard parts about it. There are parts about it that like, like it, it's possible to be stressed out about any job or like, um, or work with people you don't like or your boss is an asshole or whatever. Like. It's a million things like that, but at the end of the day, like this is this is a preposterously easy way to make a living. Um, <laughs> I remember my first press event. I, I think it was twenty three, 
um, and it was a Ford event. Ford had flown me into uh, up to uh, Detroit to yeah. do like their, you know, like 2009 product launch, all their products for, you know, Ford and Lincoln, right? Yeah. And it's my first ever event. I just started making some YouTube videos, put them on my website, and they were like, oh, hey, come up to Michigan. So they fly me up, and I'm sitting there, I'm just looking at everybody like, Number one, who the hell are most of these people? Number two, right. I remember talking to this guy named Mark Shermer, who at the time was a PR guy for Ford. And I became friendly with him over the years. And I just remember looking at him going, Mark, number one, what the hell am I doing here? Number two, what do I do? Like there's free, right. like top shelf liquor. There's, you know, right. all these nice, you know, meals. Like what? Now I come from an upper middle class family. So, you know, I I'd had nice meals over my life, but I'm sitting there going, is like I I don't get why like are you trying to entice me to say something good and he's like yeah no, you just we just look we feed you we make sure that you have a good time and we hope that you write something good if you don't that's you know whatever that's how it is yeah. um but I I just remember just looking around going wow and then I also looked at some of the other journalists going you guys have not updated your wardrobe in a long time <laughs> yeah <laughs> why why would you you're just you're hanging out with a bunch of schlubby uh, automotive journalists yeah like, if if they if they got a free sport coat, I, I feel like the the car company should have been giving out free sport coats instead of free driving sneakers and free watches over the years. You know, just yeah, give out some sport yeah. coats and some pants. Like, you hey know? Man, let me buy you a shirt that fits. <laughs> right, exactly. Something without stains. You know, let me, let's, you let, know. me let me help you out here. <laughs> right. So now I do have a couple of kind of rapid fire, quick questions for you. you yeah. Know, to kind of to kind of wrap things up a little bit. Um, I do know that you have a number of cars. If you'd like to list them, you are welcome to. Um, yeah, I could do it quickly. I, I only have, so right now I have a 15 GTI manual. That's my wife's car. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a 2007 Lexus GX 470. Great car. That I was supposed to put a lift on today and uh, mess up. I have a 84 911 that I bought uh, back when they were reasonably cheap when I was uh, at Haggerty, like a, um, 25 ish, 24. Um, got, got it right before things went a little crazy. On yeah, things. I was gonna say, now they're, they're, you know, even bad yeah. 911s are going for stupid money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, I got in, I think I paid 14,000 for it. Holy shit. Um, took out a, took out a loan at the bank, uh, even though I had a mortgage and a car payment and they were, it was 2006. They were like, yeah, shit. <laughs> literally, no problem. literally the banker was like, I you're a good kid. I know your folks. You're like, you'll pay us back. And I was wow. like, that's right. Um, again, another story of incredible <laughs> privilege, but, uh, and then I have a 48 Willie's CJ two a, um, that, uh, is awesome like a totally original very rusty very like um never been apart never had a motor out uh, wow. interesting car a very cool car but um that is currently needs to be rewired because i pulled all the wiring out of it anyway uh <laughs> and then i have a uh lotta signet 87 lotta signet that is currently in the care of uh, camille from um Hooniverse. Uh, he is in year four or five of uh, going to get it back on the road and get it racing again. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. Um, but I think that's as much Camille's car as it is mine at this point. I don't anticipate I'll ever see it again. So at this point, that means that you've sold your O2 WRX wagon. Yes. Congratulations. Yes, and also, I'm sorry. 
Yeah, I um, <clears throat> that car was was not it was not what I uh, I wasn't clearly thinking when I uh, bid on that car, uh, <laughs> and like put put what I thought was a very low ball bid on it, uh, having never seen it before. And then when I got it, I was like, oh, I know why they accepted this. And uh, and it like, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you were like, and I'm 1500 bucks over what I should have paid. Yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, so I was like, well, I, le- I want to learn how to um, do some body work. Um, I want to like get a couple things fixed on it and then like just cut your losses and go. Because it, it, you know, I have existing project cars. <clears throat> I don't need an additional project car. And um then, you know, if I was choosing a project car, it probably wouldn't be one that I could buy reasonably cheap in good condition. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I could just go buy a good one if that's, if that's, if I want an O2 WRX wagon, like I just go buy a nice one. I'm going to go buy a so, project 911 Turbo. You know what? A, you know what? A nice 08 911 Turbo. I'm going to spend $80,000 on a project car. Yes, let's do it. Yeah. So that, uh, that actually went to my cousin's husband. He was a very good guy. He's had four uh, WRX wagons, and like the second I got the car, I was like, "How much do you want for that?" <laughs> so he's got it. He's gonna actually make it nice, and um, I'm glad to have it kind of off my plate. Well, your wife and I, or your wife and my wife, actually have something in common. She has a 15 GTI manual. My wife actually just bought a 19. Um, not a GTI, sadly, but a GLI yeah. with a manual. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. I was trying to talk her into a GTI, but she wanted to go sedan. She had had a hot hatch for a while. She wanted to go with the sedan this time. And I was like, damn it. I was yeah. so close. But very similar cars. I mean, same engine, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, you know. Yeah, we um we have a, a um, there's got to be a place for the dog. So <clears throat> exactly. The hatch, right. hatch was the only way to go. So now uh, with my next few questions, uh, what are some of the things that you, what are some features that you hate that you love in modern cars and what are some that you love to hate? Um, man, I like, I gotta tell you, I, I'm really like, uh, Ted Kaczynski level of appreciation for technology uh, (laughs) at this stage in my life. So like, I, I know why some of the stuff is good at like the, the, lane keeping and like auto braking and stuff like my dad is uh vision impaired so mm-hmm. like that that is amazing i'm so right. glad that exists but i don't like it on my own cars right um, right, right uh heated seats are nice i would not say anything that i would ever like pay extra money for um See, I prefer cold I, seats yeah well cool seat yeah if i had the choice i'd go cool seat every day like right. as a as a big guy um I'm all about the not getting out of a car feeling sweaty. Dude, me too. Look, my lower back yeah. is just a swimming pool, especially yeah. in the summertime. It's ridiculous. I'm like this is oh, yeah. Look, even driving like that Willys that has never had the top on it since I've owned it. <laughs> it's black vinyl seats, and like oh, I get out yeah. of that thing, and I'm just like, like my lower back is just drenched in sweat. It's like yeah. that's disgusting. Yeah, that's gross. You but look yeah, like you've so, been wearing a backpack for four days. You know, it's yeah, just, yeah, yeah, it's just ridiculous. Not good. So cool seats. I'll give you cool seats are very good. Um, yeah. Other than that, man, I don't know. Like a Bluetooth uh, thing, which is not really a feature anymore. That's like twenty years old. Um, <laughs> that's about all I need. Like that Lotus that I have right now is pretty like bare when it comes to like creature comforts and stuff. Right. And I don't miss any of them. It's just it, like to me, 
um, there, you know, there are stuff like you get into a car that has a champagne tri- chiller or whatever. You're like, oh, that's stupid, <laughs> whatever. But like, I would never pay for that. Like, that's, right, not, yeah. that's not something that is meaningful to me. You don't go buy a used uh, car and go, it has a champagne chiller. Holy shit, this is uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or like I, I need one of the champagne chiller. I'm not, <laughs> like, you know what? I won't. I, that was not when I looked at buying an '87 or '86 M6. The first reason wasn't well. In America, <laughs> it came with a with a chiller in the back seat. Right. You know, it's... right? Yeah. So I I don't really like. I hate to. I hate that's a bad answer, but I'm really not like a. Um, not a. You're not a hater of stuff. You're more of an annoyer with of things. Like it's just it like. I, I'm trying to think like I know there's stuff that when I've seen it I've been like yeah that's kind of cool um, <clears throat> but it's just like it doesn't register as important to me I guess right. that, which makes like is something to be conscious of I think as a reviewer where it's like the person who buys this car might only be buying it because it's easy to use with their phone or whatever so like right. you gotta check that stuff out and see like this will work or whatever but um, yeah I think like philosophically um I'm I'm pretty like not tech averse, but just kind of like it's not important to me. You're tech, um, eh. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, yeah, it's like exactly. I'm a Mac guy. So what was the other one? The annoying thing. Uh, so uh, the stuff that you love to hate. You, love, it, love to hate and hate to love. So that okay, both of those. Yeah. So love to hate is definitely like the link. Like that stuff drives me bonkers. Like <laughs> and like. I'm a very attentive driver and like, I'm like take it, take driving very seriously. Mm-hmm. But like when I get uh, a, a course correction and I'm not expecting it, it's like, like terrifying, not terrifying, <laughs> but it's like panic. You know what I mean? It's like, right, Jesus, yeah. like, and it's never necessary. Like it's never like, uh, it's never saving my ass. Right. I should, shouldn't say never, but I'm like, I'm sure that's happened. It's like, you've, like you've, you've gone like an inch over closer to the line. And it's like, wham, just yeah, throws for you like back. a reason right. for like a reason, you right. know, like, yeah. or like, uh, one of my, my favorite ones is you'll, um, you know, very carefully kind of glide behind a car, you know, mm. make two, two lane changes right. at once. Right. And then you'll get that panic break. Right. Uh, yeah. The, the terrifying. <laughs> so like I, that stuff, I always turn off. Like I said, my dad's visually impaired and like, I love that for him. And I think like his next car will have that stuff just because it makes his life safer and easier. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I, I personally turn it off when I get it. And I'm not like contraction control off guy. Like, <clears throat> I like believe in that stuff. That, I mean, I guess like hate to love, like, um, to be honest, like having a track capable car where, you know, like there's a safety net Mm -hmm. is awesome. Where it has a limit for you. Yeah. And it's like, um, you know, doing track days or whatever, like, you know, the old journalist, uh, uh, thing to say is like, um, oh, you know, all the pro guys leave those things on because if you're doing if you're driving right, they should never come on. And it's like, that's definitely true. And, uh, but like, yeah, having like, you know, putting a car in track mode and knowing like, if I really screw something up, like there's a, there's a backstop for me. Um, there's a, there's a last minute claw that comes and puts me back on the track before God (laughs) takes me out of the gene pool. You know, it's like, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. I love that. And I, I think that, um, that is, you know, that technology obviously like has enabled us to have 800 horsepower cars that get sold right, to right. normal people. So yeah, I think that's that's the one I hate to love, hate to admit it. Um, 
<clears throat> and then yeah, love to hate. Um, I'm trying to, it's, it's like ironically kind of the same stuff, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I'm trying to think. And you have to excuse me too because I haven't really been in a newish car in like eight months. So uh, understandably, look, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, one thing I do hate that's kind of weird is like all the little um, like actuators in cars now, mm. like everything is powered yep. and yep. i always think of like the amount of like weight and complexity and then like 20 years down the line like getting one of these cars and having like oh the, the hash went open because the actuator's fried and it's like i've got to go find an actuator and like that stuff drives me bonkers and it's also like you know counter to like everything that makes cars good like being lighter and being more like uh, tactile and all that right. stuff is like a counter to to that stuff so i think that's probably my my love to hate thing and that's what really freaks me out about especially with the uh with the emergency brake buttons now like that really like you can you can start to feel when you're pulling up on an e-brake handle when it's not grabbing you know mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. with pushing a button it could just give way. I mean, 20, 30 years from now, or even 10, 15 right. years from now, it could just give way and you have no idea because you're not pulling on a handle and feeling, ooh, this is a this is an off connection. It's, you know? it's engaging, yeah. Right. It's very, yeah, and it's it's very, um, the serviceability stuff. If you, if you get into a brand new car and start thinking about like how this car will be serviced, it's like, just, you're better off not thinking about it. It's like, yeah. that's, that's, that's like trying to, uh, I get the same feeling like trying to imagine like, what the plan for coming out of quarantine is and it's like i better just not think about it like i just right. let's just let's just pretend that you can stay in your house yeah, you, you start getting else. irritable bowel syndrome thinking about all you're like I <laughs> yeah. Can't, you know, <laughs> yeah yeah it's like this is a bad deal don't, don't think about it <laughs> so uh two last things one uh going to your comment about active lane you know the lane keep assist and everything i yeah. had the the uh toyota rav4 trd that i had i had i was driving it one day and it was really really windy last week and that system was i always keep them on for like a day or two just to see how they react yeah. you know and then sure, i kind of sure, turn yeah. them off and i'm done with them but uh it was really really windy and so it was throwing the front of the car around well the system was going nuts fighting the wind and fighting my steering inputs and i'm like this is ridiculous i was yeah. all over the road with very yeah. li- i felt like i had zero control and it was just up to the wind and you know the the technology and neither that one of them a, knew what to do and that was all that is a very upsetting experience yeah i turned it off immediately and i was fine everything was f- much better um, but my last question for you is what the, as a, as a, now the new editor in chief of Jalopnik, uh, and I feel like with automotive journalists, we're extremely cynical, you know, mm-hmm. um, Elon Musk is thinking about taking Tesla out of California, moving them to Texas. Mm-hmm. Have you thought about it? And do you give a shit? Uh, yeah. Elon is like my, like I, <laughs> I have a very, strict like no haters uh uh philosophy that that actually graham kozak put me on to a few years ago mm-hmm. and like try try to take people at their word and try to like um not get mad about the things that other people who i don't know do right but elon is like he's the test for me for that policy <laughs> like everything that guy does makes me mad um so i think you know, there's there's a lot of smart people who know better than me about like 
uh, how Elon gets paid and like how the performance of his company results in him uh, getting getting paid. Um, that is a part of this. Uh, his desperate desire to reopen these factories and get um, hit some milestones because mm-hmm. he, he's due a big payment this year. Um, I think generally he's kind of he gives off some real dumb guy energy to me. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, but like also in that way of like, uh, you know, that classic, like, uh, Ben told he's really smart his entire life kind mm-hmm, of way. Mm-hmm, um, which I, I don't necessarily see any evidence for. Um, <laughs> it's like the hot girl in high school that is like the prom queen and she's told she's so beautiful and she just acts like, you know, a douche to everybody for no reason, you know, it's yeah, like, it's, it, you know, you, you're told it, you're attractive. So stop it. You know? Yeah. Well, I think, I think there's, there's, you know, there's, there's kind of like, this like cultural nerdiness thing that like is very easy to like to gravitate toward and then like you know it's like i, I assume that i'm very very smart because i watch uh big bang here or, <laughs> or like like it's like a, you know like the aesthetic of like being a nerd or like being an intelligent or whatever and like elon's a really like good avatar for that um, 100% was genuinely going to blurt out Big Bang Theory when you said that you yeah, think you're yeah. smart because you watched it. I was like, Big Bang Theory, and you said it, and I was like, oh, this is, I like this guy. <laughs> Wait, well, it's, like, it's not, I've never seen that show before, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. like, it, like, and I, I don't want to like cast aspersions on anybody and like tell people they can't like certain things or whatever, like, right. like whatever. But look, it's an entertaining but, show. It was on for a long yeah. time. My mom loves it, but my mom's not yeah. a science nerd. Then she says, did you know? And I'm like, yes, mom, I did right. happen to know. Cause I am a nerd. I do love science and <laughs> yeah. I don't watch the show. It has its moments. Sure. If I see it on, yeah. you know, and it's on there and I'm like, Oh, it's <laughs> that's a funny moment. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But the, the, there's like, a, there's like an aesthetic, like I said, but in Elon, Elon is very much, in that that mold or or whatever yeah which again that's fine that's who he is like i'm sure there are a ton of nerds out there um and uh in in his industry and his social circle whatever great uh but the the he's not gonna move the thing to texas i don't i mean i don't think um so you think it's a bargaining ploy of sorts i think yeah it's him being a baby i mean like the like the uh common the common um it's a fairly common practice in american business to threaten to move something to get right. a better deal right. and like if a government official is doing something you don't like tell them you're going to move your factory and like they'll they'll usually like do whatever it takes to um and it's very easy to get a, a another bid from multiple states that are willing to give all yeah. the tax breaks that you can take right yeah. back you know and but i mean that's why they're at new in the first place i mean that's why that's why they have new like, mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. were given a, a sweetheart deal on it during the bailout but mm-hmm. the, um so yeah i don't i don't think it's going to happen like i said i'm trying my best to ignore elon i think it makes it worse because he blocked me on twitter a few years ago and so <laughs> did now, he really yeah so that's now awesome. i will well, and it's not because I I'll see things. Oh, now you can't engage. You can't like, see anything. No, yeah. Well, I don't want to engage. But what I, <laughs> but what the problem is is like before I could just see a dumb tweet where he's like, "Mom, Epic Bacon, uh, you know my uh, new car is going to have a emulator for uh, Atari on the whatever." Like that kind of just weird goofy shit, and then just roll my eyes and scroll on. Like, okay, I not interested. <laughs> right. But now I get like 
week weekly or bi-weekly I'll get like a hundred tweets with in my Twitter feed or whatever which like the answer is just to get off Twitter uh, <laughs> but who are like uh, like oh my god you know I can't believe Elon's doing this or like Elon's such an idiot or whatever or like oh epic Elon's doing this and then I have to like go log into a different account and like <laughs> go to his page your special and, like, Elon account <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and then like go look at it and like and then it's like, ah, like then I've already put some energy into it. I'm already wasting my time. <laughs> so I guess, yes, I do care. I wish I didn't, but like the guy just drives me absolutely nuts. Yeah, um, your your special Twitter handle is at Elon. You know, watcher yeah, Elon, just RC. El, you know, Elon lover twelve. <laughs> Yeah, I don't understand. Like, I, you know, I try and give everybody the benefit of the doubt also because I think, okay, you know, look, there are great cars coming out of many car companies. Yes, there are good mm-hmm. things and there are bad things, and we could have conversations about all of them. But I don't understand the level of fanboyism with certain cars and car makers and especially yeah. Tesla. And I'm like, okay, if it's good, it's good, great. But I don't have to, you know, you know, kiss somebody's ass to that point, you know. Um, yeah. And then also, I don't I, understand the SEC why they haven't been on him harder, you know. I, yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of he gets special treatment because he's like uh, he's like a uh, he a acts like he doesn't figure. care, I guess. Because it's well, like I, I think it's because he's a cultural figure. I guess like, so. He's a, yeah, he's like a beloved cultural figure. He thinks and, he's and Gandhi, like, <laughs> well, or just like he gets more dispensation from the SEC than some anonymous banker you've never heard of who did the same thing. Like, yeah, I guess. Yeah. And he goes on and Joe he, Rogan, and you know Joe I, gives him the benefit of the doubt, and yeah. And I think like um, you know, there's also a thing with Elon, like a deeper thing that bothers me, where he's like kind of putting himself out there as like an environmental crusader, right. which is just like that's not accurate. I mean, you can't build factories on the scale that Elon builds them, or like make cars even on the scale that Elon builds them and say like you're doing it to save the world. Like right. sorry, I'm sorry, man, but like your your carbon footprint is huge. Like yeah. massive. Like beyond like, okay, he lives in a big house and has a jet or whatever. Like like that if you are a person of Elon Musk's uh resources mm-hmm. and place in the world and you genuinely think that the best thing you can do for the environment is inventing a new car company. (laughs) Uh, Like that's dumb guy. Like that's dumb guy shit, man. Like that's not real. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, So like that, that has always kind of, irked me about him or whatever but that's a bigger like more known discussion yeah like i'm a Uh, i'm a mac user and i like macs i've been a mac and pc user over my life i've used both over the years with you know i I don't mind either one but i remember when i started to get into the mac ecosystem and and i like it i like it for what it is i like what it does for me you know and uh good product yeah good products exactly right but at at, at this point i feel like everybody makes a good product you know somewhere Mm -hmm. down the line it's just whatever your personal preference is but i I like when i first got into the mac ecosystem i was buying another mac and somebody said to me well you know i mean the reason why you should really be with mac is just the environmental uh, sustainability of their corporation i was like the fuck are you talking about they that make things with batteries and technology that is farmed out of the earth that they is ship them all over the world yeah, it's like, yeah. That's, that's a ridiculous statement that's like me saying well i use the toilet inside of my house so that way i'm not shitting all over the world you know right it, the that's, shit is yeah. still going somewhere you know it's, right it's, it's a it's a very you know again it's a bigger discussion and they're like 
I think there are um, like corporate responsibility. Right. This kind, but like fundamentally, like no one is in the consumer products business to help the environment. Right. Like that's right. just not how it works. Like, um, or or almost no one is in that business to help the environment. Like that's that's just not the goal of the system. That's not the goal of like, um, uh, yeah, they're fundamentally incompatible. Right. So, yeah. um, so the, the, and, and then also the fact that like my one business is making electric cars to save off global warming, hypothetically, and my other business is uh, making an escape pod so I can go live in Mars. It's like, <laughs> <Right. wow. laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everybody uh, that I like pile in, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a yeah. very like. <laughs> that's a good Can point. I, see, I never thought about it that there. way. It's like you know, like I'm gonna save the world, but you know what? Just in case it fails, fuck all y'all. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but maybe I don't really believe that. That's right. Important. Mars is way better than Earth, man. And let me tell yeah. you why. Like, all right, okay. I saw a, uh, a, redu- <laughs> a re- reductress headline today that was like. Um, Divided country comes together to hate baby, and it's a picture of Elon holding his, <laughs> his new kid. Yeah, but like, I, okay, there's like all kinds of like uh, right winger guys now who love Elon because he's like I know. a country guy. It's hilarious, and I so I'm a member of uh, of the Tesla, like basically the Tesla fanboys group on Facebook, and only just cool. to look at everything, you know, just yeah, kind of right. makes your blood boil most of the time, you know. And, yeah. uh, you know, what I, you know, I, I am, I'm on the front lines of that issue right there. That's the, that's the, as far front lines as I get on any issue. But I laughed because people were sharing all of the Fox news love for Elon Musk and Tesla now. And they're all like, you know, a bunch yeah. of people are like, yeah, thank God. It's about damn time. Fox news got on the, got on the, you know, the train with us. And I'm like, yeah. holy shit. If, if, yeah. if COVID-19 is not ending the world, this is right here. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. But that's the, that's the thing is like that those, I mean, we can get into the entire political discussion, but like <laughs> Elon is certainly aligned with that way of thinking more than the other way of thinking, I think. Like regardless of what, I don't know what, what political uh, statements or claims he's made in the past, but like his way of operating is is absolutely like small business tyrant or like large business tyrant you know right, like right so yeah I, i'm surprised fox news wasn't on that earlier but I, i'm just um, i am looking forward to the day that i open up twitter and it's very rare that i open up twitter anyway it's mainly just to like people's shit that they write and uh, uh and but I'm looking forward to the day that I open it up and it's Elon Musk saying that we never really landed anybody on the moon and that yeah. uh, SpaceX will be the first company to land anybody on the moon. Yeah, and he will it's, videotape it inside of a Tesla Roadster. Yeah, you know. absolutely plausible. <laughs> That's what I'm waiting for, and I know that yeah. it sounds stupid, but I'm like at this well, point. I mean, more more likely he'll say we've developed a craft that's capable of travel and landing people on the moon and then uh, he'll get a huge influx of investment for it and then it, that craft will never materialize yeah but he'll take it to he'll take that shit to a bank and get a ton of money for it and then yeah. uh, somehow the American taxpayers will foot the bill for it <laughs> yeah 
hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. One can only hope. But with yeah. that, I think uh, I think it's time for you to go because not like I'm kicking you off, but because I know oh, yeah. you have other things to do. I got to get my bike. My you got to get bike. your bike, dude. Come on. Yeah. Um, what will actually save the environment more. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> Sam, do my party line. Yeah, you're doing yeah, right. <laughs> and if Elon, Elon, if you're listening, please unblock Rory Carroll. Please un- uh, unblock me. I will. I will not say mean things. To you He's anymore. begging you. He will wash your Tesla for for six okay. weeks. Right. No, I I will I I will not engage with your tweets. <laughs> I will That's just what look. I'm willing to offer. That's what I'm willing to offer. <laughs> let me close that alt account. It's unhealthy. <laughs> Just let me have one account watching you, Elon. One account. <laughs> yeah. That's all. Yeah. Um, like a normal person. Like a normal person. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Rory, thank you so much for for hanging out and talking to me. I hope that you yeah, can come dude. back on and, and chit chat some more because you you're very interesting, and I I'm wow. excited to see you uh, uh, man the helm that is Jalopnik and uh, and yeah. s- and see what happens. I'm excited. Should should be a hoot. Um, and I, anytime. I'm, I uh, this was fun. I'm glad to come on. Hey, thanks, man. And I will uh, definitely talk to you later. Okay, sounds good. All right, have a good day. Yeah, you too. All right, bye. Well, hope you enjoyed that. Rory is an interesting guy. Definitely feel like we should have him back on the podcast because he is, uh, he's funny. um, And I I really want to hear more of his his take once he gets, you know, uh, some time under his belt to, to figure out what's going on with Jalopnik and what he wants to evolve and change and adapt and do with it, you know, down the road. And it's got to be tough when you think about it, right? It's a, it's a tough brand because it, it is something that is beloved, you know? Um, and when beloved brands, they change, you know, the, the guard of sorts, uh, when, you know, you have a new editor in chief coming into something that people really, really love. You have to be careful, you know, and, and you have to, you have to navigate those waters very, very strategically. I don't know what's up with me with the ship thing. You know, I first said he was helming the ship and now I'm navigating the waters and <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Uh, I guess cause I was reading some, um, some, us naval uh warship stuff actually just before i recorded this intro and outro so um anyway but yeah so jalopnik is a special brand it is something that means a lot to a lot of people i mean you know rory you heard rory talk about that with himself with his own inspiration definitely inspired me of course i mean you can hear my my gushing of the uh with that in uh, my johnny lieberman podcast and uh, at some point i'll have mike spinelli on as well uh, maybe get uh, Murley Martin on, you know, all all the originals. Sadly, Davy G. Johnson has passed away, um, but I am working on a, a tribute podcast to Davy G. Johnson because he was very, very important and vital to a specific taste and style in writing for about automobiles. So I'm working on that, and that'll that'll be out at some point. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm. Very interested to hear what you guys have to say about this. Uh, if you're excited about any potential changes to Jalopnik or excited just to see something, somebody fresh, you know, take over. Um, and I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I wish Rory the best of luck, obviously, because I, I definitely would not want to see him or anybody else fail, especially with a, a storied brand. Um, something that really means a lot to a lot of people. And, um, yeah, 
And also great stories, right? About him, you know, in Detroit. Now he got just literally accidentally got into these jobs and situations where he just, he found something, you know, he made something of himself and that's, that's really cool. And again, it goes into this, this world that I continue to talk about that when you hate what you do and you want to do something with cars, you can do it. You can easily do it. You got to slog through some shit to get to it. But you know, at the end of the day, if you want to be in the car world, you can do it. It, it, you know, not every one of us starts out, you know, making a million dollars or knowing everybody or even having an in. I'm going to uh, to leave it at that, basically. But again, if you do want to email me, uh, reach out to me, of course, Josh at Rottos.com. Uh, go and uh, donate to our Patreon if you want to, patreon.com slash Rottos. Subscribe to us on YouTube. I've got some videos uh, coming up with multiple reviews. YouTube.com slash Rottos. Of course, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Rottos. <laughs> and uh, I guess I will talk to you next Monday. And of course, I don't have my damn calendar up. But I could tell you, I think it's the 25th. Yes, it's the 25th, which is Memorial Day. And which the 24th, by the way, is the Coca-Cola 600. Uh, Darlington, the practices are were today or whatever for NASCAR. I, I don't know. I, I haven't really been following. I apologize. But I will be here on Monday with a commentary because I will watch the Coca-Cola 600. I'm very interested to see what's going to happen. Um, especially with a, a smaller crew and, and uh, smaller, you know, fewer amount of people at the track. And of course, no audience, nobody there to hang out uh, or spectators, I should say, not audience, because people will be watching on television. And with that, I'm going to end this podcast. But always remember, every Monday morning when you wake up, take out your favorite coffee cup, fill it with some freeze-dried Folgers, and of course, listen to the Rollers podcast. And as always... Happy Motors.